logic lecture notes, introduction to fallacies, and post hoc fallacy. Now that we've completed our study of formal logic, it's time to start with informal fallacies. Before reading on, you may want to watch the following optional video, which is from Wi-Fi on formal and informal fallacies. Up until now, we've been studying the nature of arguments and valid argument types. In other words, we've been talking about how to give good arguments. Now we get to switch to something that's arguably more fun, diagnosing common ways that arguments go wrong. Often fallacies are one of the things students find most useful in this class because unfortunately, a lot of the fallacies we'll study in this class are pretty common. Especially if you use social media of any sort, you might wanna to start to keep an eye out for fallacies and you will probably see them reasonably often. On that note, if you ever see a meme or an easily screenshotted post that clearly demonstrates a fallacy we cover in this class, please send it to me because I want to create a collection of real life fallacies to use as examples for this class. And if you send it to me and correctly identify the kind of fallacy it is, I will give you a small amount of extra credit, but you can only do this a max of three times. Okay, what is a fallacy? Most simply, a fallacy is a defect in reasoning. They come in two types, formal and informal. Formal fallacies are defects in, guess what? The form of an argument. Remember how I told you earlier that valid arguments are arguments with good form? In fact, their form is so good that if the premises are true, the conclusion must be true. A formal fallacy is a defect in the form of an argument, i.e. giving an argument of a form where the premises could be true and the conclusion false, which we don't want. Let me give you an example of a formal fallacy that we've actually already seen affirming the consequent, and this particular example is drawn from the video linked above. If someone is allergic, allergic to peanuts, then she doesn't eat peanut butter. Jane doesn't eat peanut butter. Therefore, Jane is allergic to peanuts. Formally speaking, it's possible for the premises here to be true and the conclusion false. The first premise, a conditional, is true. People with peanut allergies don't eat peanuts. And maybe our friend Jane does not eat peanut butter. But of course, maybe Jane just doesn't eat peanut butter because she doesn't like it. This is a big uh-oh at the level of argument form. We have true premises, false conclusion. Jane's not allergic to peanuts. So at a formal level, this argument is defective. It's not good as an argument. Informal fallacies occur at the level of content, not the form of an argument. There are a huge number of informal fallacies, and again, you'll get to see a good number of those um, across this class, the remainder of this class. From here on out, we're gonna set aside formal arguments and look only at informal fallacies. Before we look at the informal fallacy known as post hoc, let's consider the example given in the video linked above. A feather is light. What is light cannot be dark. Therefore, a feather cannot be dark. Can you see what's going wrong here? We're using light in two different senses. This is called equivocation. Formally speaking, this argument is actually good. It has a valid form, but something has gone wrong with the content we've put into that form. Namely, we've put in content that uses the word light in two different ways while pretending to only use it in one way. Thus, this argument is an example of an informal fallacy. Now let's talk about the post hoc fallacy. Again, there's a video here to watch, but it's optional, although I do strongly recommend it, and it also is from Wi-Fi. 
post hoc ergo propter hoc is a Latin phrase that means after this, therefore, because of this. It's often shortened to post hoc and just known as the post hoc fallacy. The structure of a post hoc fallacy is this. This occurred, then that occurred, therefore, this caused that. Here are some examples. I put on my polka dotted socks this morning and tonight we won a game. I'm never washing these socks again. Yesterday I ate an orange and today I have a headache. I think I'm allergic to oranges. I let my husband use my phone yesterday and now the screen is cracked. He broke it. Shortly after I got back from my first time flying in an airplane, I was diagnosed with cancer. I think there's something going on with the airline industry and they're trying to cover up that flying actually releases a lot of radiation and can cause cancer in passengers. Okay, so the problem with post hoc fallacies, like all of the above examples, is that they assume causation where there might be no connection at all. In the first example above, clearly lucky socks don't help a team win a game. Just because you first put on the socks does not mean the socks caused the win. In the second example, it's possible, although unlikely, that you're allergic to oranges. But you would need a lot more evidence in order to conclude this. If it happens once that a headache follows eating an orange, it's probably just coincidence that the events occurred one after another. The third example about my phone being broken after my husband used it is perhaps the most plausible of all, but even here, we would need more evidence. Maybe my phone was already about to break regardless of who was using it. Maybe some third party, like one of my cats, knocked my phone down from a high surface and broke it, and so on and so forth.